0: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us for a very special Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at Joe orico 99 and you can find all of our fantasy baseball work here at Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where you'll get all the updates to our draft guide, any podcasts, articles, news and notes, literally anything you will find over there at Ethos Fantasy BB. And make sure you are checking out SportsEthos.com as well getting everything right from the source we're going to keep the team previews going today we have been on and off with them Uh, we did one yesterday we've done a couple last week as well but this week we have a ton of team previews and we are getting started off here with our first guest of the week and that is somebody that you know he has been on this show before it has been a while too long actually since i've had him back on i believe it was the end of 2022 we talked about some uh, end of season stuff recapping the year been way too long a great friend of the show Chris Torres Torres takes you know him from co-hosting the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Beat podcast with our good friend Mike Carter used to be with Carlos Marcano as well just a great group of people there associated with Triple Play and that podcast and of course you know how he tweets out just some of the best stuff in the industry Chris uh, it's great to have you back on man how you been
1: What's up Joe thank you so much for having me back on man uh it is an absolute honor to be on the 26th ranked <laughs> fantasy sports podcast in the u.s we may have gone up since then so
0: dude, listen man
1: who's got it better than me i'm here i'm in the middle of two drafts at the same time i'm skipping out on work right now i mean this is this is peak me uh so listen man thank you for having me on excited to uh to talk some stinking yankees
0: some stinking yankees well i'm a blue jays fan so they're always gonna be the stinking yankees i don't know how those podcast rankings work it's I'll, I'll take it i'll absolutely take it and i'll share it out when i see awesome, something like man. that but yeah, i don't man. know how accurate it necessarily is because there's like matthew barry's show is technically ranked below mine i'm like okay i'm not getting more downloads than matthew barry yeah. i know that for a fact i don't know how this is calculated but either no, way man, i'll leave definitely...
1: it man just put it out there and you know what the numbers are the numbers you're 26 so the numbers
0: are the numbers we'll take I- it
1: i'm hoping to not bring you down so let, let let's keep it moving in the right direction here
0: There's no chance of that. People love you. We love you here on the show. And we're going to be talking about those New York Yankees. We're going to be going top to bottom lineup. We're going to look at the rotation. We're going to look at the pen as well. This is a team that's kind of got scary this offseason a little bit. I mean, from a Blue Jays perspective, they're always kind of scary. We don't usually do terribly well against the Yankees. And then, of course, you bring in Juan Soto. (sighs) That one was tricky. What are your thoughts on, before we get into specific players, what are your thoughts on the offseason as a whole? Uh, Have you liked what the Yankees have done?
1: I mean, listen, man, anytime you bring in a guy like Juan Soto, I I think you've you've had a a pretty good offseason. I think that was the move that they needed to make. Uh, Obviously, it makes the lineup so much better than it was. Um, You know, overall, I still think this team is flawed, to be honest with you. I am kind of, uh, you know, I see people I think they're still the favorites in the to win the division. And I'm like, nah, man, like there's a lot of holes on this team. Um, I I think they needed to do more to address the pitching. Um, I think Stroman is, I, I'm, we'll talk a little bit more about him later, but I don't feel that was the answer for this rotation, especially when you have the question marks that the Yankees have between guys like Rodon and Cortez. Like They don't have a lot of depth. They traded away a lot of that depth to get Soto, which again, I think you needed to do But I think they should have been supplementing more with, um, you know, some depth pieces like a a guy who signed today, Jacob Junis. Like a a guy like that, like you need players that can give you reliable innings. And the Yankees are kind of thin on that. So I I think, again, you you have to give them a positive grade just because they got Soto. But there's still work I think that should have been done that at this point it doesn't look like it's happening.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you have the chance to get Soto and the cost is. I mean, I didn't think the cost was that much at all, really. I like Michael King, um, but, I mean, I feel like any team given the opportunity to make a similar kind of trade would make the trade, and that's why I wonder why my Blue Jays didn't attempt something. But, I mean, like you said, you get Juan Soto. Whatever else happens, there are needs that maybe weren't addressed, but it's, it's a positive for sure, especially with the allure of him potentially signing a long-term deal if this season goes well for Juan Soto as long as the Yankee fans don't rag on him too hard if there's a down stretch or something like like, it's hard to see him not going to New York long-term staying like he's been in Washington and San Diego now he's in a big market where a star like him can actually thrive I know it's too soon to tell but do you think Soto will will wear another jersey or is he going to be a Yankee for life in your opinion
1: I mean, I think the Yankees made this move with the um, expectation that they were going to make a really strong offer to keep him. I really think this is a good match uh, for Juan Soto. I I think being in New York, I mean, you know, he's Dominican. There's a large Dominican population here in New York. Like, I I think, like, stuff like that, like, Yankee Stadium this summer is going to be filled with Juan Soto jerseys. You know, I think the fans, unless he really – bottoms out you know i i think the fans are really going to embrace him so i i think this is a positive move um and i could definitely foresee him uh signing here long term for sure
0: it's gonna scare me uh as a jay fan but i i think it's probably gonna end up happening it's hard to see him going somewhere else at this point anything can happen um but as of now uh, it's looking scary for the rest of the american league east for sure in that regard Let's start breaking it down from the top of the order and projected leadoff hitter in a lot of different places is DJ LeMahieu. DJ is not who he used to be. The batting average used to be a huge asset. We saw him bat 243 last year. Doesn't steal bases like he used to. Not that he was ever going to steal a ton, but we only saw him steal two last year. It's not a great fantasy outlook, but at the same time, his current price right now is 367. He's first and third eligible, projected a leadoff right ahead of Judge and Soto. There are positives. There are also negatives. Where are you at right now on D.J. LeMayhew's outlook for 2024?
1: Yeah, super boring. But like you said, the price is right for him. Uh, If you look at players going around him, he's like one of the few players in that range who's still an everyday player, at least on the infield. Um, I took him in my first draft uh, because I needed a corner infielder, I think. I'm not positive he's going to be leading off. I think that's yet to be determined. What I ended up doing in that draft was actually taking uh, Verdugo and LeMayhew. Because I, I feel even Aaron Boone, when asked about who was going to be the leadoff hitter or, or what the lineup was going to look like, he mentioned those two names specifically uh, as, as some options for them. So, um, yeah, I th- but even if he's not leadoff, he's still going to be batting probably seventh, uh, worst case scenario, and playing every day. So given the multi-position eligibility, not going to kill your batting average, not an asset there anymore, but I think he's projected for around a, a 250, 260 average. Uh, we'll give you a little bit of pop. We'll throw in a couple steals. I think just given where he's going in drafts, I think he's, I, wanna, I don't want to say a target, but I think he's fine.
0: Yeah. I think he's a good piece of depth. I don't know that I'd necessarily want him in my, in my starting lineup, but at that price, he doesn't need to be, uh, you know, he's right. at that point pretty much uh, a reserve round. It's essentially reserve round. I think at that point, when you're mm-hmm. talking uh three seventy, it's like round 24, 25, maybe in certain builds, he's still getting into your, your starting lineup there, but as a piece of depth, multi eligible, I don't really have a big problem with it. Um, like you said, he's not a target, but the price is, is very appealing, I think, uh, for LeMahieu at this point. Let's dig a little bit deeper on Juan Soto. We mentioned him off the top. He's expensive. He's going in the first round, end of the first round, about pick 11. But, I mean, these last couple of years have been, quote-unquote, down seasons for him. And they've been still incredible years. You're talking about the guy who's going to walk more than anybody else in all of baseball He's going to probably hit close to 335 40 home runs potentially with that short porch and right. He's going to steal bases for you. There's there's not a lot you can really say against Juan Soto. It's insane the fact that he's still 25 years old, and he can actually get maybe even better than what we've seen. I think he's a good play at the end of the first round as long as you can compensate for the steals uh, soon thereafter. Where, where are you right now on Soto? Are you taking him at the end of the first?
1: yeah uh in that same draft I mentioned um, I, I was targeting him I had the 12th overall pick he got taken right before um, I uh, before number 12 I ended up taking judge who we'll, we'll talk about here in a minute but um yeah I, I'm definitely I'm, I'm good with Soto this year I if you plug in his projection into I, I use a software called RotoChamp that gives you a composite projection of all the major systems and he graded out. Uh, just based on his projection as the 11th overall player. Um, so I think he's fairly priced. I think there's also a little bit of upside. I know there's been debate as to whether he's going to see a big uptick in home runs being in Yankee Stadium with the short porch. I don't know. I understand he's not like a huge uh pulled fly ball guy. And he's talked about not changing his approach for Yankee stadium, but I have to imagine that he's going to get a couple that are going to sneak out over that short porch. It's going to boost up that home run total a little bit. So I, I definitely could see 40 home runs for him this season, the counting stats. I mean, the runs have always been great for him because of how much he gets on base. Uh, Obviously hitting in front of Aaron judge should help that. I also think that we could see a little bit of an uptick in the stolen bases just because this is a contract year. And listen, I know Juan Soto doesn't need to, I mean, he's going to make a ton of money. He's going to make half a billion dollars probably if nothing changes. But I think there is something, I came across something the other day, even like, I don't know if it was Eno or somebody um, had some research that showed that stolen bases do tend to jump in contract years. So, you know, he's not a complete zero there, which even even if nothing changes, he's still projected for eleven stolen bases. So I definitely I, I like that, um, you know, he's not like Jordan Alvarez, which you who you literally can put a zero in that column for. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely into Soto this year. And I do think, like I said earlier, this is a good, just a good fit for him, a good environment. and, and I think we'll, The second half, too, let's not overlook like he had a couple down seasons, you know, for Juan Soto in San Diego. But that second half was monstrous. You know, he was making contact at an elite rate. His hard hit rate jumped up, uh, according to Fangrass was up at 45 percent, you know. So I I don't know. Is is that necessarily going to carry over? I don't know. But um, I think like he's, he's still young. So maybe this was just him tapping into another level. I think there's at least a case to be made for that.
0: Yeah, there was something about San Diego that he didn't like hitting in that ballpark for whatever reason. I I don't know what it was, but these last two years, you know, the counting stats, you still got there. But the batting average was certainly not what it should have been. And I feel like we can see him get back to what he was in Washington, a, a 290 to 300 level hitter. You're talking 35 home runs. The steals are very interesting. And, you know, do you look at his teammate, Aaron Judge, a couple of years ago in his contract year? Different situation, but kind of similar. Judge didn't need to steal. You know, his 60 home run year was going to get him paid regardless of what he did on the base pass. But he also had, I believe it was 15, 16 stolen bases as well. So we could see Soto, you know, just try and eke out every single dollar he can there and try and get a little more active on the base pass. And maybe that 10, 12, 10, 11 turns into 15, 16 as well, which would make him. You know, uh, not it's not a nothing like you said. A lot of those yeah, guys who are at the up. end of the first round are not giving you a hell of a lot in terms of stolen bases, but getting fifteen or sixteen there would be massive from him. And I think we're we're pretty safe to say a hundred and a hundred in terms of runs and RBIs is going to be incoming for him. Um, now, Aaron Judge, do you have a strong strong lean between these guys? Like, if you're doing ten drafts, would it be a five and five kind of thing, or, or is there one that you're you're? I know you said that you were aiming for for Soto in that other draft but do you do you feel strongly about this one?
1: Not really. I mean, I I lean Soto. I if I'm doing 10 drafts, I probably you know, between the two of them, I'd want Soto in like 6 to 7 and Judge in the rest. Um I don't know, I just feel the age with Soto just kind of uh, you know, points me in that direction. I think Aaron Judge, I'm a little worried about him playing center field every day. I'll be honest with you. I think just his size, I'm surprised that the Yankees decided to do that. Um, you know, I, I was a little puzzled by the Verdugo move because I thought maybe, well, they put, you know, Soto in left and then Judge in right and then figure out center fields uh, with, you know, a true center fielder. Um. So, yeah, I, I just am a little bit worried about the health. I still think, I mean, the dude is a monster. I think the other thing that made me, in that draft specifically, I was like, listen, man, now Aaron Judge has got Juan Soto hitting in front of him. Like, the counting stats have already been through the roof with him, and that's with a lineup that hasn't been that good. So now you put one of the best players in baseball in front of him. I think um, that kind of pushes me. Like, I was debating between him and, like, Garrett Cole or Jose Ramirez, but if Judge stays healthy, I mean, we're looking at – Obviously, we know what's what the ceiling is, right? Sixty something home runs. Uh, I think we very reasonably could see fifty and you know one thirty, one forty from him with uh, with a good batting average. So yeah, I'm I'm a little bit worried about the injury, but still think Judge is is fine at the end of that first round.
0: Yeah, the injury it's not something that I would worry about. Like I've heard some people talk about the injury proneness of Judge, and it's funny how these terms can come and go for players because he was always injury prone. And then he plays 148 and 157. And then he gets Mm -hmm. hurt last year. And I've heard people mention it. It it was a very fluky injury that he had. But if he's playing center field, then, you know, I I don't know how stable that that foot, that toe is. Because I believe they didn't elect to repair it surgically. I think they just let it heal on its own. From what I remember... So I don't love it. I don't love the fact of him having to patrol a, a bigger area in center field. I don't know that we're going to see him ever get back to that double-digit stolen base number. I think he's probably mm-hmm. going to settle in, especially now that he has gotten paid. He doesn't need to worry about that extra value. He'll steal when he needs to, but we're probably looking at five or six or seven at the absolute most. I think I'm I think I'm leaning Juan Soto early on I think it's, it's very close and if I was doing 10 drafts I, I've given that same kind of question to a couple people I think it's like 6 and 4 for me I'd go Soto 7 mm-hmm. and 3 something along the lines of what you said the power is just you know 37 homers in 100 games last year for Judge it's just unbelievable the amount of power that is in that guy's body it's just ridiculous yeah let's let's talk anthony rizzo uh he's somebody that i have been targeting this year kind of later on it's a tricky one concussions are are super super tricky i've had a couple myself from when i used to play hockey and you know you you do recover eventually usually but they're, they're a, like the brain is such a tricky thing to figure out even once they've healed sometimes they can recur and it's it's not always clear what the symptoms are and if it's still there or not I'm going to assume he's healthy. I'm going to assume that Anthony Rizzo is fully clear and ready to go. And those numbers last year before he got concussed were ridiculously good. Now he's in a situation where the price is way later than it has been in a long time. He is going at pick 274 and he's batting right behind Judge and Soto. I love him personally this year. He's a big late target of mine. Are you as in on Rizzo as I am?
1: I don't love him. Um, I mean i think the price is definitely fair for um you know for for what he could provide here i'm just pulling up his projection so composite projection is 21 home runs, 67 rbis they're very low on the batting average at 237 this would rank him as the 318th overall player see you know i'm i start with projections and then i kind of like look at what makes sense right and to me 67 RBIs, if he's healthy and playing every day and hitting Whoa. after Soto and, and Judge, I mean, that's way off, right? Like, he's, I think, pretty much a shoo-in for 100 RBIs, if that's the case. um, So, yeah, I he's someone that I'll probably, like, I'd like a few shares of. He's not someone I'm going to be actively targeting. I do see a little bit, even last year, I know in the first half, the numbers looked a lot better than the second half. But uh, if you look at the underlying stats, like it, it did look like there was a little bit of a, a skills decline. Like the contact percentage was slowly going down, the hard hit rate was slowly slowly going down. So, I I am a little worried that yeah. at his age, I think he's going to be thirty five. If I'm not mistaken, he's thirty four or thirty five. I'm a little worried that maybe we see a little bit of a decline with him, but. The floor, I think, is like the the context that he's in gives him enough of a floor that I think he's he's a good uh, buy at his current price.
0: Yeah, uh, I've taken him a couple of times so far, and I just think like he's not somebody I'd want as my starting first baseman, right? But I think that there is a good scenario for him to work himself into you know being a starting CI and at the very least a, a utility guy for you, and mm-hmm. I and I could see him even being like a shallow league target as like the last pick of your draft because 270 if we're talking about your standard like yahoo cbs league if it's a 12 teamer, it goes about 275 you know 280 depending on your specific settings it's Mm -hmm. about how deep it goes so if anthony rizzo is your last round pick and you can take a shot on maybe he's going to be able to stay healthy if he's in that lineup there's a lot of goodness right around him certainly right in front of him I'm going to take that chance in a lot of different leagues. Like there's no league where I'd really be that worried about. I'm just considering the price. I, I think that yeah. there is some concern for sure. The age, um, you know, the concussion is still something that I'm a little bit worried about, but I, I think the price, you know, the risk is baked into the price for me at that point uh, for Anthony Rizzo.
1: I think one quick thing on Rizzo too, like the projection I mentioned is very low in his batting average. I think we do need to consider how the new shift rules. Cause he really, what like, the second half we just kind of throw out last year because obviously he was dealing with a concussion, like injuries just screwed up his year. But um, I don't think we've seen the full um, benefits that he's going to reap from the shift rules not being in effect because those last two years, you know, 21 and 22, he had a really low batting average, but I think he was someone who got killed by that, got killed by the shift. So I, I think there's a little bit more average upside than those projections indicate.
0: If he's able to hit 250 with 100 ribbies, 25 yeah, home runs, right there
1: for sure. Uh, All right, now I want, you know now you talk me into it. I'm getting Anthony Rizzo in the next. All right,
0: <laughs> let's go. I'm starting Yankee propaganda. What has become of my life at this point? Let's talk Glaber Torres. Glaber has become very consistent over the last couple of years. Uh, what he did last year and the year prior, he actually built on it a little bit, gained a couple of stolen bases. The batting average went up, 25 and 13. Following 24 and 10, think 273, you know, the walk rate went up to 10%. The most impressive stat, I think, is that the strikeout rate went below 15%. He was a guy who had been above 20 most of the time, 20, 22, 21. To get that down to 14.6 is very impressive. I think that Glaber does warrant that top 100 draft pick that you're paying for him this year, like 90 to 100 kind of range you know it does depend on your build a little bit if you maybe need more steals at that point you know talked about maybe Bryce and stop makes more sense but i think that glaber torres is very reasonably priced considering the lineup context and considering what we've seen over the last couple of years from him
1: 100 percent. and i'm not just a glaber stand because of the same last name i mean this dude <laughs> i don't know why he is so underrated whether it's for fantasy whether it's even in real life like What the hell is the Yankees' problem? Every offseason, they talk about trading Gleyber Torres. Like, what are you trading him for? You have a guy, I mean, is he a superstar? Is he at the level that maybe you thought you were getting when you first traded for him uh, from the Cubs? Maybe not. I mean, I know he lit the world on fire, and everybody thought he's going to be, like, uh, you know, the top second baseman in the league. He hasn't been that. But he's been a really, really good player. And every year, except he had that one, like, really down year, But ever since then, he's been really good and he keeps improving. And like you said, he brings the K rate down last year. He gives you power. He gives you speed. I mean, he's just such a solid all around player. And even so, let's take this to fantasy now using my projections or not my projections, but these composite rankings. He grades out as the 53rd overall player. Wow. Um, there there aren't that many players like he gives you a little bit of everything he's a true he's not gonna be a stud in any one category but man I love these guys someone who's gonna just not hurt you anywhere and and, and be I, I think he's an asset you're getting 25 home runs from second base over 10 steals like I don't know what else people want but it, it seems like he's a guy and he's not old he's 27 It feels like he's been around a, a while but he's still Square in his prime maybe we see even a little bit of a step forward it's that magical 27 uh h 27 season so listen man i'm all about getting glaber this year um i think people are just like I, I don't know he's just kind of forgotten about it seems like
0: something i really like too is when you look at the various different projections atc the bad x is out now zip steam or whatever it is you look at they're all incredibly similar for him there are there are some players yeah. where you look at the projections yeah. and they are like 16 home runs, 28 home runs. They're all over the place in terms of playing time, in terms of everything. Glaber, the range for home runs in the various projections, 24 and 25 are the only numbers projected. Steals, it ranges from 11 to 16. Runs range from 81 to 85. And RBIs range from 78 to 88. And that batting average ranges only from 269 to 271. Some people are probably thinking, why does that matter? When there is more variance in the projections, it just makes it a more volatile player. When there is not, when these smart people who put these projections together don't agree on a player, it gives me a bit of pause. Mm -hmm. When everybody is saying there is a consistent baseline here of 24 and 13 with a 270 batting average, I'm absolutely all in on that. You're getting a guy who's going to play every single day 158 this past year, 140 the year prior there's no reason to fade him. There's there's no reason at all to not like labor taurus or this year for my opinion. I I love everything about him.
1: Yeah, and he's another one that I think could benefit from the improved contacts with Juan Soto coming in if he's batting 5th, I think yeah. that's more RBI opportunities. He only had 68 RBIs last year, which I th- it seems a little low given, you know, he had he played a full season. He had 672 plate appearances. Um I know he batted lead off for a little bit, but Seems like this should have been higher, so I think with a little better luck or you know, improved variance in with runners in scoring position, uh, I think we could he should be in line for 90 to 100 RBIs. So, uh, yeah, I, I think labor is a smash right now.
0: Yeah, if he can return what you said, the 53rd ranked type of player. That would be just a, one of the higher return on your investments you're going to get in the top 100 there. Um, if he's able to meet that, and I, I tend to believe projections. I know some people are. Whenever I tweet something out about projections, people will say, "Oh, it's made up stats." It doesn't. We have. Wait, to... I,
1: I don't understand that. What What are people like?
0: You see that too, though. You see people saying that kind of. Oh
1: yeah, no, I know, I know. There's still that like dinosaur mentality, like. Yeah. It it just to me, it just boggles my mind. Like, yeah, they're not perfect, but they give you—they're—they're pretty damn accurate, you know. And and if you're relying on them 100%, that's a problem. But if on the contrary, if you're relying completely just on you know on vibes and just how you feel about a player as your base as what you're you know using to make decisions, then that's also a problem. So yeah, I I mean I think there's it's an art and a science, right? Being able to kind of forecast player production, and I think. You have to incorporate the science part of it
0: yeah absolutely that has to be a huge part of it i think the majority component has to be what the numbers are telling you at the same time if we were just looking at the numbers everybody would have the same rankings and like there is a gut instinct part of it these two guys have the same projections you know my gut's telling me logan gilbert over justin Steele or whoever it is Mm -hmm. um but you know there is a lot of it that needs to be you know def- you have to defer back to the computers i'll always say when somebody questions me well why would why should i believe this and i'll say the numbers they may not be perfect but they're certainly smarter than you and i no question about it you know off the top of our brains we can't do what the, what the projections do yeah um let's talk alex Radugo a little bit one of the new additions one of the rare yankee red Sox crossovers um the other one the most recent one i can remember is like johnny damon i'm sure there's a couple others but it doesn't really happen that often Uh, Where you see a guy play for both squads. Verdugo is kind of boring. I think that he has, you know, some value in in deeper leagues. I don't know if you're playing in a, you know, like I mentioned earlier, a 12-team Yahoo league. I don't know that I want Verdugo. I think he's more of an NFBC type of guy where he's some depth. I wouldn't want him like as a starter, but as you know, maybe your fifth outfielder, first guy off the bench kind of range is where I'm I'm kind of looking for Verdugo. Not somebody that I have a ton of confidence in, but I think he's just fine kind of boring where, where are you on Verdugo right now
1: pretty much the same uh, like you said he's he's more of a deep league play though I think he can provide some value especially if he does find a way into that leadoff spot I do think it's possible you know against right handers I, I could see this in Mike and Mike Curlin actually on his site has it set up this way against right handers he has Alex Verdugo leading off and against lefties he has LeMahieu and I think that makes a lot of sense uh, they really like Verdugo. I, I was reading something the other day that Brian Cashman apparently has been trying to get him for years. And listen, when Brian Cashman likes a guy, you know, he's going to play. When Brian Cashman pulls the strings. He calls the shots. Aaron Boone is really just a puppet there. Uh, so Verdugo is going to play. Uh, and I think he's going to get a chance to lead off. And I, I keep bringing this up, but Again, when you bring in a player of the caliber of Juan Soto, he changes the entire lineup. And if you're telling me Alex Verdugo is going to get strong side platoon at bats, hitting in front of uh, Soto and Judge, um, that has value. And he's not going to kill you in other areas. Like he's a solid batting average guy. He's Got a little bit of pop. He'll throw in some steals. And another guy who is um, uh, in a contract year. So, we could see a little bit more aggressiveness on the base pass for him as well um so and and I think really, like this is a huge year for him, right? His career really can shift on what he does this season, so uh, I think we'll get the best version of him, whether he's a guy that New York will like that I think remains to be uh determined. Uh, I've heard some things about him in Boston that haven't been so great, so we'll we'll see on that end. but I think for fantasy, he's He's not a uh, a screaming buy, but I think he's solid for where he's going, which is after, like, pick 300.
0: Yeah, he's probably going to be able to stabilize your batting average a little bit at that point. There's not many guys who are going to be a potential 280 guy. Like, if you look at the past few years outside of this year, where, I mean, it was kind of a low babbit for him. It wasn't a great season. But the previous years, 280, 289, 308, 294, he could maybe be like a 280 hitter who, I mean, like you said, if he's getting strong side platoon bats, Leading off ahead of Juan Soto, that's probably 100 runs or close to it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. crazy to think about, but he does have an 88-run season. He had 81 this past year. It's not crazy to think so. There there could be a universe where maybe he does work his way into a shallower league kind of viability where he is a startable guy in 12s. I think he's more of a 15-team league guy as of right now, um, yeah. but I could definitely see him getting there if uh, what Curlin says is correct. And Curlin's usually pretty good with this stuff. Um, So I'm going to have to kind of defer to him there. And, and I think that that probably does make sense to have Verdugo leading off. Do you think there's a chance that maybe Soto leads off?
1: I don't think. I mean, I, I can't say it's impossible, but I, I would lean more towards, you know, them giving those other guys a shot.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking base, like the crazy on base percentage, you know, yeah. but yeah. I, he probably makes more sense as a two or or a three. Him and Judge, however, you want to flip it back and forth. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Giancarlo Stanton. What to do with Giancarlo Stanton? I never know at this point. He's so cheap that it's like, well, okay, you know, three twenty one is the ADP. I'm looking at the month of January, by the way. Just going back to January first uh, draft champions ADP there. If he's able to stay healthy, then he's a 35-40 home run guy. We know this. We've been
1: saying that for five years.
0: I know. I know. And every year it's, you know, tons of missed time. Is there an argument to be made that you you draft him and you start him when he's healthy and then you just say, to hell with it, you know, I know I'm going to have to cut him at some point, but I'll take what I get. Or is he just an avoid for you?
1: Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know what to do with him. I thought about taking him in my last uh, draft and hold. But, see, given the injury history, he's probably not someone I want in that format. Yeah. I think where he's going, like you said, if he's healthy in spring training, they're going to play him, right? Like, he's going to play every day. They're 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 paying him, uh, you know, a ton of money. So I think that, like, in a, in a fab league or, you know, a, a league where you can make in-season moves – I think it definitely, he's worth a shot at his price. And maybe he comes out, supposedly, he's slimmed down. He's trying to get more athletic. I mean, it was a, a disgrace watching him run the bases last season. I, he He's so stiff. I, I don't understand these guys that want to look like powerlifters playing baseball. You have to be flexible to play baseball. What are you doing looking like that? Um, so apparently he's changing his approach. So for fantasy, I guess my my verdict is, If you're in like a a deep league in a league where you can make in season moves, he's worth a flyer because maybe you get some power out of the gate, and then when he gets hurt, you drop him.
0: I'm totally on board. He's not somebody I want to be staring at on my bench the whole year or for those 115 games he's going to miss. Definitely somebody that's going to be need to be cut at some point in the season. Unfortunately, now there's another thing that he's going to be. He's not quite there yet. He's just over 400, but the. The path to 500 is something that's going to be in the, pack, uh, the back of his mind at some point, staying on the field just to try and get that 500 home run number. At least you figure that's going to be something that plays a role. Maybe not this year, probably not this year, um, but maybe by like next year, that's something that I don't know how much of a factor is going to play, but maybe he does you know, some more smart things in his later career so that he can stay on the field to get to 500 home runs. That's complete conjecture, but just – you know, something more to keep in mind for next year and the year after for Stanton. Well, I hope um, you're
1: wrong because I, I really I wish they would just get get him off the team. It just really is such a liability. He's not a good defender. He can't yeah. run the bases. He strikes out all the time. Uh, as a fan, I just can't stand. And, and I know a lot of Yankee fans feel the same way. I'm just tired of seeing him out there. He he just clogs up a space that could be used on something uh, on a player that's much more valuable.
0: Yeah, and he takes away DH at bats from. I mean, whoever, I mean, it's fine. Like him while he's out there, sure, whatever. But I mean, you, you could argue, does the power offset while he's healthy? Does the power offset the bad batting average and the strikeouts? But that's days off from judge that he's not going to be able to get and potentially for Soto and for whoever else that you might want to give a day off to where you have Giancarlo kind of filling that up. That's complete conjecture. The 500 number, whether it's with the Yankees or somewhere else, I do think that he'll try and get there. Um, but let's talk about Anthony Volpe a little bit. I, I don't. I don't know what to make of him. I think the projections are a little bit low. They're thinking that he's probably not going to be able to meet the numbers that he was able to get to last year, which is 21 and 24. They're about they're calling for like 19 and 22, which isn't a drastic change. 18 and 22, 20 and 23 kind of thing. They expect the batting average to move up a little bit and the counting stats to increase some degree. But is does that make him worthy of being drafted where he's going? I've seen Anthony Volpe go as close to a top 100 pick uh, recently as high as 113 over the last month he's generally going at like 130 but it just feels a little expensive uh, based on what we're seeing from the projections based on the, the floor we know is there with the batting average am i am i crazy to doubt that volpe's gonna in- improve this year a little bit
1: um i think it's very possible i mean you look at his age last season and you know, he was just kind of thrown out there, and I'm glad the Yankees actually stuck with him. I thought he was going to get sent down at one point. Yeah. Um, I think it's very reasonable to project uh, some improvement. Um, for fantasy purposes, I think just that that power speed combo, um, even with the batting average floor, like right now they haven't projected for 230 with uh, 20 23. Um,
0: probably
1: given where he's going, what's his ADP now? I don't have it in front of me.
0: It's like 132, 133. Yeah, it's It's probably a little
1: little bit high.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I also, you know, batting order does matter. You know, like for every uh, lineup slot you move down, you lose a certain number of at bats. And I just don't see a path for Volpe, like unless they put him in the leadoff spot, um, I don't see really a path to him jumping way up the batting order. So, um, I'm just kind of like agnostic on him to be honest. Like if he's there and I feel and I need a shortstop uh, and I need a little bit of speed, I think he's fine because he's he's also gonna, you know, he'll give you that balance between the power and the speed. But I I need to make sure that I have pretty solid batting average guys up top to deal with the hit. He's probably going to be in that area.
0: Yeah i I think I'd take him if he falls more into like the one fifty ish kind of range. Yeah, I, I agree. I think yeah. he's the type of guy where if we see a strong spring, people will push him up into the top 100 again. Remember last year what happened with Volpe where he was going in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s in March? Mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe the bloom is off the rose to the point where that's not going to happen. I
1: but... don't think it will. I, I think it was you know, it was that prospect hype that we haven't seen him before and yeah. we, you know, the possibilities are endless. So I think now that we've seen Volpe, even if he comes out and has a strong spring, I don't think he's going to move up a ton.
0: Okay. Well, that's good to hear. I'm hoping that minimum pick of 112 does not become more of the norm because I'd like to get a couple shares if I could. I just don't want to pay the going rate at this point, which might which might make me out on him. But if that's the case, like you said, he's probably going to be 7, 8 in the order. If he's batting ninth, there could be some nice runs that come out of that. If he's batting ninth and you're turning it over to Hugh, and Soto and Judge, but it does take away from the overall at-bats you're going to get, limits, homers, steals, RBI. So I, I don't love it at this point. Uh, in terms of the catchers, Austin Wells and Trevino, how do you expect playing time to shake out there? And is there any real fantasy viability, you think?
1: I don't think either one of them are really that fantasy viable. I know Wells, there's some hype around him. He's going around pick 300, I think. And honestly, I think those people that draft him are, you know, if you're looking at him as obviously not in a 12-teamer, but like a starting catcher in a 15-teamer or in a two-catcher league, I think you're going to be a little disappointed. Um I just don't know if the playing time is going to be there. They like Trevino. Trevino has been a guy. He's like a good clubhouse guy. They've talked about how much they missed him after he got hurt last year. So I think it's going to be a pretty even split with playing time. And I think that makes both of them. I mean, Trevino for fantasies, I, I think you know, there's no value there. Maybe with Wells, but I don't I don't see, unless Trevino gets hurt hurt again, I don't see a real um, clear path to upside,
0: yeah. I'm kind of avoiding both of them. I think 300 is a little bit rich to pay for your C2. I think those guys you can kind of wait on in the mid 300s, or I mean, catchers kind of whatever. I don't really care if I'm punting the position altogether. Once you get into a guy like Wells, who's going to be probably in a platoon almost certainly, unless he just blows up and breaks out, but I don't really see that happening. I don't I haven't heard anybody really talk about him as a massive type of impact in that regard. The Trevino stuff is true. Like, you know, the Yankees a lot better than I do, but even I've heard about like how well revered he is in that clubhouse. So that'll take away some of the bats as well. I think both of them are probably just good to stay away from. In terms of Peraza, Cabrera, Grisham, the guys that are likely going to start the year on the bench, do you have any interest there as kind of a dart throw? Is there potential for playing time for any of these guys where they become more viable?
1: Uh, Peraza, no. I mean, I was kind of hyped on him last year, but man, his. His showing last season was just dismal. Like, I I need to see something else before I buy in on him again. Like, there was nothing looking at his skills, uh, nothing that I can really grab onto to say that he's ready to take a step forward here. Um, As far as Grisham, I think... Grisham's uh can be kind of sneaky in like these super deep leagues where let's say you took an Aaron Judge and you're a little bit worried about the injury risk. Well, I think if anything happens to Judge, his one 1v1 replacement is gonna be uh Trent Grisham in center field. So and, and Grisham, listen, I know he had a couple down seasons, but there's some fantasy viability there. There's got there's some power speed um so I think he's someone to just kind of keep on your watch list if if playing time does open up he's moving to a much better ballpark I think that will work well with his batted ball profile um he could be a kind of a sneaky guy if he gets some playing time
0: so this is my crazy thought is there a chance that maybe Grisham starts as the center fielder judging right Soto and left and Verdugo is left without a job is that a possibility
1: I thought I, I, really thought they were going to trade for Dugo right away. After, I, I didn't really see how it made sense. But, again, everything that I've heard is that they really like Verdugo and that they're committed to him. So I think he's going to play. Um, I think right now they're looking at Grisham as as the fourth outfielder. And, and I think, you know who could be at risk of actually losing some at-bats? I think might be Stanton. Uh, I, I said he's everyday player because they're paying him a lot. But I don't know. Like, if he starts out, let's say he's striking out a ton – Like, I could see him losing some playing time, like they'll put maybe Judge at DH and then put Grisham in center, you know, something like that. So that's maybe something to consider, too, there. You know what will get interesting, though, is when Jason Dominguez uh, gets back. I know he's projected to come back, like, midseason. I don't know if they're just going to stick him back in the minors after what he showed last season. I'd have to imagine he comes back up. And then I think that playing time could get a little bit tricky. Uh, now by then Stanton might be injured is likely to be injured so that (laughs) might fix that but uh, yeah if everybody's healthy it'll be interesting to see how they play that
0: I took Dominguez in one DC I think around 375 400 I don't know how wise it was but just dreaming on you know 30 40 50 games potentially at the end of the season where he is healthy I don't even know what the timeline is exactly I think it's like July or August if everything goes according to plan but I don't know how solid that is necessarily. It's it's a, it's a bit of a risky pick, Dominguez. Uh, another kind of interesting name there. But like you said, it's a, it's a log jam in the outfield. If everybody does stay healthy, I have no idea what it's going to look like. But Stanton's not going to stay healthy, let's be honest here. Uh, let's move into the pitching. We spent a long time on the lineup. Let's talk Garrett Cole. He is very expensive. And it's probably correct that he is expensive coming off of a Cy Young season, which was, I don't know, I, Was it just me who thought that Garrett Cole had a Cy Young already? It it seems kind of crazy that he didn't have one. I thought that he'd got one in Houston somewhere. And he probably should have the year Verlander got it. But regardless, he finally got one last year. My worry with him is that I don't know that he warrants a first-round pick. Just based on what we saw last year with the strikeout rate coming down, it was the first time he'd been below 30% since his Pittsburgh days on the strikeout rate. It's still 27%, which is really good. I just don't know if I want to take him where he's going, which is the end of the first round, over guys like Jordan Alvarez, like Jose Ramirez, like potentially even Judge or Soto. I think he's more a fade, not so much because of like the strikeout rate somewhat of a concern, but it's more just giving up on those players who are going around him. If he was going in the second round, I'd probably take him, but I just can't get around him at pick 12 or 13. Where are you right now on Gary Cole?
1: I'm with you, man. I, he's not, I've had a few opportunities to draft him. And every time I just go somewhere else, uh, I go with a hitter because I don't think what he provides is enough. It's not, he's not a difference maker to me. I I mean, of course he's, he's a great pitcher, but given the price, like if I'm going to take a pitcher in the first round, the only one that I'm considering is uh, Spencer Strider, because the gap between him and everybody else is so massive that I think it, it justifies his cost. But with Cole, like you said, the strikeouts were down. He, he got a little lucky in terms of um, his BABIP, his left-on-base rate. So I think we're going to see a little bit of regression there. And if we do, then it's like those numbers are really good, but they're not first-round worthy. So we're paying a premium based on the year he had last year, and I'm just I'm not about it.
0: I wish that it was a little he was a little cheaper and again like if you take him I don't think it's like your season you can't your your team is screwed or whatever like he's I have him ranked as my number 3 starting pitcher right now and I think I'm probably you know the low person a lot of people have him one or two I I still don't think it's like disaster for you he's probably going to give you a 3 5 ERA he's probably going to pitch close to 200 innings but you're giving up a lot in that range and those players that are going in that range you can't replicate that later on where with yeah. Garrett Cole Yep. You can kind of replicate that to some extent with Gosman, with Burns, with Wheeler, with mm-hmm. Castillo. These guys are, I think, just as good, if not better. And they're going around later, at least. And you want to talk mm-hmm. about the Pablo Lopez of the world. There's a lot of value in pitching beyond, you know, the first round. You don't need to take a first round pitcher. And if you do, I'm totally there with you. It is Spencer Strider. The initial projections, I haven't like checked this out again since, but he was projected to be the triple crown winner, have the most wins, the best ERA, the most strikeouts, it's an absurd projection, and I think it's warranted based on how good Strider is. Mm-hmm. Carlos Rodon is hopefully back to form. He is healthy. Last year was a complete disaster. Every time it seemed like he was about to come back, there'd be some stitch in his rehab. He'd have to you know stop and then take a couple-week pause, start get going again, and then he'd hurt something else. It was an absolute unmitigated disaster for Rodon in 2023. He had a 6.85 ERA. I'm back in. I think the price is really, really reasonable. I'm giving him a mulligan for last year. I don't think that that's truly who he is. I just don't think he ever had the chance to get going. I pick 150. I've taken him two or three times already. I think that he's, you know, people are just kind of forgetting how good Rodon was because of one really unfortunate season that I'm kind of, and maybe this is wrong of me, but I'm I'm willing to give him a pass for last year just because of the injuries. Are you willing to buy back into Rodon this year?
1: For me, it depends on the format. Um, I was talking about this with my friend the other day. He asked me my thoughts. And honestly, like if I'm in a 15-teamer, especially like a draft and hold, I'm probably not taking him there. But in a a format, say a 10 or a 12-teamer, where I know the replacement value is better in case the injuries crop up again or in case he just sucks like he did last year, uh, I know that I have more options. I, I just feel like there's there's a lot of volatility i understand the upside um you know and i'm fully willing to admit I, I i could be wrong um on on fading him but there's just between the injury history um there's nothing in what he showed last year in terms of the underlying skills that it is encouraging right i mean at least the velo was still in the same range but I mean, uh, and I understand he got unlucky, but there was just, like, the walk rate ballooned. Um, Just everything kind of fell apart. And honestly, like, he reminds me too much. Maybe this is my bias just because I've been watching the Yankees forever. Like, he reminds me of these big-name pitchers that the Yankees have gotten out, have gotten in free agency, and who are just complete busts. Guys who just are not cut out to play in New York. Um, Like, I, I don't know, you probably too young for this, but like Jarrett Wright, Carl Pavano, like these guys were, you know, big free agent signings who just they didn't have the temperament to play in New York. And just given everything Rodon showed last year between the way he interacted with that fan, that was a big story, uh, blew a kiss to the fan or whatever, and he turned his back on the pitching coach. Like, to me, that doesn't indicate a guy who really has thick enough skin to pitch in this environment. So I know that's obviously talked about how I'm into projections and numbers like that's the opposite of that but these are the things that I do consider you know especially when looking at a player like this so I'll probably like I'm doing a online championship which is a 12-teamer he'll probably be a target for me in there because I know the upside is so big but you know in that format if I just completely whiff on that pick it's not going to kill me whereas in a 15-teamer if I'm relying on him as my sp3 sp4 it's not going to kill me necessarily, but that's going to really hurt, you know, especially if he goes out and he like, let's say he he's healthy, but he just gives you the same performance as he did last year or similar. That just is going to torch your ratios and it makes it really tough to come back from that. So long-winded answer, but that's where I'm at on Rodon.
0: He's, he's very volatile. I, I'm, I'm saying that I'm going to give him a pass while also acknowledging that it could blow up in my face. Um, I, I don't he says he's a tricky one he's probably the trickiest or one of the trickiest players for me to evaluate this year because what he did for three years two plus years was like the top five pitcher in baseball level of dominance mm-hmm. but last year was terrible and maybe I'm giving him you know, maybe I'm leaning too much into the injuries because he did start 14 games he did have time to kind of get himself built up. And he never did like there was a couple of good starts mixed in there where we were kind of like, oh, my God, he's back. He was cheap in DFS. And it was like it Mm -hmm. was great. But he's tricky. He's really tricky. I'm personally going to give him a pass, but I completely understand not wanting to. And I think if you are going to take him, it has to be even like to your point in a league where you can either a drop him or b where you've kind of got a pitcher heavy build and he is your SP4 or 5 and it's right. not as big of a of a worry for you. DCs where I do have him in a couple of DCs, it is kind of worrisome. I will say that. Marcus Stroman is also new in town here. This is kind of a weird one because I thought that Stroman and the Yankees didn't really get along very well. Uh, this was a weird marriage. Stroman started off incredibly great last season. He was talked about in the first half as being somebody who was going to be a Cy Young finalist and all that. And then the second half of the year was was terrible. I believe there was an injury involved there. He threw only 136 innings. But the second half was was atrocious for Marcus Stroman compared to what he did in the first half last year. A two ninety six ERA compared to eight sixty three. And yes, the eight sixty three came only over twenty four innings. But a stark difference. Where are you right now on Stroman? Is he somebody that's a target for you at this point? Do you think that there is going to be a, a- you know, a happy marriage here in New York. Are you willing to take him at two seventy, where he's currently going?
1: Well, all right. Those are two separate happy marriage in New York. (laughs) That's iffy. Uh, He starts off, you know, a couple of rough starts. I mean, we already know him in New York during his time with the Mets and, you know, things didn't necessarily end well there. And we know what kind of personality he is. So trust me, the Yankee fans will turn on him quick. If he doesn't start, have a really good start. Um, As far as fantasy, I'm, I'm out on him. I under, I understand he's cheap. I've heard some people talk about him being a value where he's going. Even the projections do say that he's a value. But I just don't see a lot of fantasy appeal. I mean, the strikeout rate has never never been great. I don't think we're going to see a step forward there. Uh, never been a super strong guy in whip. Uh, ERA will be a little bit, probably be somewhat helpful. He's probably like a high threes ERA guy because he does keep the ball on the ground. But another thing to consider, like we've thought of Marcus Stroman as like this major volume guy, you know, and he hasn't really been that for two years now. Like he hasn't gone over 140 innings since 2021. So that's also iffy. you got to remember, he's a smaller guy. And usually these guys with smaller frames don't hold up as well going into their mid 30s. So I just don't see a, a huge like a path to upside here. I'd rather – I feel like I can find – I mean, maybe I'm off base for saying this, but, like, is Kyle Gibson that much different than Marcus Stroman going, like, you know, almost 200 picks later? I I don't think so. Um, Again, I just – I don't see much to get excited about here.
0: I don't see the skills being that different. For whatever reason, Stroman usually has an ERA below four. I don't know how he's able to do it. And it's kind of just, is is he actually this good, or is there something maybe in the advanced metrics that – or in the metrics themselves, any of them that just don't really capture what he does. I've kind of gone back and forth on this. I don't think I want to take him. I, you know, there's last couple seasons only 136 and 138. The strikeouts are going to be a liability. Mm-hmm. Like it's not even like they're neutral; they're actually hurting you at that mm-hmm. point because he's going to throw a whole season. Like last year was 136 innings, 119 on the strikeouts. Right. It's tough. You got to be at least a strikeout printing guy for the most part to be viable. He's nowhere near that. And there is some volatility. Like, you know, despite the fact that he is a guy who's been below four in the ERA department, the second half last year, once he came back, was terrible. The projections are all are calling for about four or higher. I just, uh, there's not a lot to get excited about. There's not a lot for me to really like there. If there's anything, it's the fact that he's a heavy ground ball pitcher, and maybe that will play well for him in New York, but I'm not taking him where he's going. I think I might have taken him once because he fell to like 350 or something but he's he's not somebody that's going to be on a lot of my teams
1: yeah he's definitely not a 12 team guy you're gonna fall so far behind in strikeouts if you're running a guy like stroman out there that it's he's a total avoid in, in something like
0: that i completely agree yeah let's talk clark schmidt a little bit last year he was kind of a darling of the fantasy world coming into last year people were thinking he was going to be a big breakout didn't happen uh, he wasn't terrible but the four sixty four ERA over thirty two starts was not ideal. Strikeouts and walks are are fine; they're about average. Uh, he's not somebody to get excited about for me. I don't have really strong opinions on Clark Schmidt one way or the other, but I haven't drafted him yet through nine drafts. I pick three fifty. T- read into that what you will. I just there's not a lot to get excited about for me here.
1: Same. He, he's just a perfectly to me. He's and uh, he's fine as like a depth piece in in a deep league, a lonely or fifteen teamers. Uh, being on the Yankees, I think he'll be in position uh, for some wins. The only thing is that the Yankees didn't really push him past five innings too often, so you also have to consider that. Uh, so yeah, he's he's average. Like I'm honest, I think he's let's see. Okay, he's about the same K rate as Stroman. So, uh, but he's going after. So I I'm just kind of indifferent to him. I actually do have him on one team just because I felt like it needed another starting pitcher, but. I don't see anything in the skills that indicates he's going to take a, a big jump forward uh he's just he's fine
0: i think yeah for for most of you most of you guys listening to this there's gonna be no need for clark schmidt this year maybe as a streamer but i think most of my audience based on some polling i did recently you guys are playing yahoo 12 teamers there's not really some much clark schmidt value there yeah. now the last guy in this rotation is one of the more interesting ones for me is nestor Cortez. I don't know what to make of him. Uh, I think that he's probably somebody that you can kind of buy low on a little bit. Last year was hurt. He only threw 63 innings. There was a solid two-year body of work before that that was very consistent. Even last year, like the strikeouts were still what they always were. The walks were about where they always were. He just wasn't really getting the results um, that he usually does. The left-on-base percentage was low. The Babbitt was higher than it usually had been. I just think it was kind of an unlucky year, and you know, to a lesser extent than Rodon. But I'm going to kind of give Cortez a pass this year and think that he can probably bounce back.
1: Yeah, I. I it's the same kind of conundrum as it is—not the same upside as Rodon, but just yeah. like you, you have to completely throw out last year if if you're going to take him. Um, but uh, I'm just looking at the numbers here. He had a 25% K rate still with a 7% walk rate, which is not bad. Um, I think in a 12-teamer. Maybe it's kind of like your last pick or second to last pick is kind of a guy you take a shot on, see how he looks in spring and, you know, maybe give him look at the Yankee schedule the first couple of weeks and test him out, you know, see how he does. And I think there's those are the kind of picks you want to make late in a 12 team. I think a guy who has demonstrated that he has, you know, some pretty good upside. Um, why not? You know, at, at the end of a draft.
0: Last pick of my home league last year, I selected Sonny Gray. So you never know what's gonna yep. happen with those yep. last picks. Sometimes they can pan off. Not saying that Nestor's gonna do what Sonny Gray did, but sometimes uh they can there can be some gems there at the end of your twelve teamers. Let's talk about this bullpen. Clay Holmes is the guy. He is gonna be the closer, I think. There, that's there's not much debate, right? I've heard some people talk about maybe it's not him, maybe it's somebody else, but it, it's 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 Clay Holmes, I think, right?
1: Yeah. All indications are that he's the guy. I mean, they, they really like him. They have stuck with him pretty much through thick and thin for the past few years. So I have no reason to believe he's not going to start out with the role. Um, yeah. I, I don't, this is a hard bullpen to read. I mean, I think they have a good bullpen. I don't know. Like if let's say Holmes got hurt or was ineffective. I really think it's a total toss up as far as who would see save opportunities? I mean, you've got Loisaga there, Tommy Canely. I think Scott Efros could be kind of a sneaky play. Uh, you know, he was the Yankees were very high on him. They acquired him at the deadline a few years ago. Then he had, I believe it was Tommy John. So he's healthy, and I think he could see a prominent role in the bullpen. I just really don't know what to make of it, um, you know, in, in terms of fantasy, like if something happened to Holmes. But I think you're right. It, it looks like Holmes is the guy.
0: I have no idea where they would turn outside of homes either. I like I, I don't even have a, an educated guess really at this no. point.
1: I think most people don't. Yeah, I mean, you look at the ADPs of the guys in the bullpen. They're all like, you know, some of them aren't even being drafted. I think people are just kind of throwing their hands up and they're like, I,
0: I don't effing know. You know? Maybe Loisaga, maybe, but I... They I, never
1: I, really don't. want to give that role to him, though. I mean, I, I feel yeah. like he's had an opportunity and it, they just never seem to feel comfortable with it, so... I, I, yeah, I really don't know.
0: Holmes is the guy I have to focus in on, I think. Um, but is he somebody to draft where he's going, which is about 110, 115 in your average draft? Are you comfortable taking him there as you're probably your second closer at that point?
1: You know, at first, um, because I started drafting like a month ago and I, you know, like Hader was still out there and I I thought the Yankees, I I think they should have made more. I I don't know if Hader just didn't want to come here, but you can't let him go to the Astros. I mean, that's just a disaster for the Yankees. I thought he was he made a lot of sense for them. I just felt like they were going to bring in somebody to give Holmes competition at least. uh, And they haven't done that. So I think where he's going now. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, he's not going to give you elite strikeout numbers, but not terrible. Twenty-seven percent, sixty-five percent ground ball rate last year. I mean, I don't have Class Emmanuel Classé's numbers pulled up in front of me, but I can't imagine they're that different than Emmanuel Classé
0: last year. Um, yeah, probably better, actually. Might be, might even be better.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, and and you're getting him, you know, fifty to sixty picks after Classé. So yeah, I think Holmes right now since he's kind of survived the the free agency period i think he's he's definitely a buy and i don't think you're gonna see you know people get kind of anchored to what that original adp was So i don't think he's gonna like all of a sudden like have a huge jump so yeah i definitely am into clay holmes um if you draft drafting now
0: projections for saves and wins are kind of all over the place but he's projected for 30 saves pretty much everywhere that goes to show that the people who make the projections are pretty sure that there's nobody else who's going to have any any kind of shot here as long as he's healthy. Uh this is a potential 30 save guy here with I mean, his last two seasons are any indication he's probably going to be somewhere in the below 3 ERA range. His xERA, his FIP, his xFIP, all of those numbers uh Sierra, everything is below 3. So there's there's mm-hmm. a lot to like there in terms of the ERA supporting metrics as well. Uh Chris, we've covered the team pretty pretty deeply here. Is there anything that we've missed? I think we've covered everything, but you're, you're the fan. Is there anything that we might've missed over here?
1: Uh, Just one guy I wanted to mention is uh, because I I talked about how the Yankees, they don't really have much depth in the rotation. I think to keep one guy to keep an eye on uh, is Will Warren. I, I saw an article recently that the Yankees pitching coach mentioned him specifically as someone that we could see at some point this season. Um, I was looking, Eno Serres has a Google Doc. I, I don't, I was looking around for like stuff plus numbers for minor leaguers, and I happen to found Eno had this Google Doc, and, and Will Warren had like a 124 stuff plus, which is, you know, well above average. It was the same as Bobby Miller at AAA last year. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. I, I think we talked about the injury concerns in that rotation. I think there's a very good chance we're going to see Warren at some point, and, uh, Just a name, you know, 12 teamers, a name to just put on your watch list. And if there is an opportunity, I think uh, definitely worth at least a pickup and and seeing where it goes.
0: He's going to pick 541 in draft champions over the last month. There's a minimum pick of 405. The maximum pick is 734. There's kind of a Mm -hmm. big range there, but he is not somebody who's going to cost you a lot. Go draft him in like round 35, 40 kind of range. Take a chance on him. Uh, like Torres says, there could be, could be some upside there. I think we've covered it though, man. I think we've covered the Yankees in depth. I've got through this hour of talking about this team that drives me nuts for six months of the season, but I'm glad I was able to get you on here to talk about it. I, I do want to give you a chance though, to tell everybody about what you got going on and where your work can be found before we let you go.
1: Yeah. So thank uh, thank you again, Joe, for having me on. This was fun. Um, so right now um uh, my, only gig is uh, a co-host of the fantasy baseball beat podcast. You can find that on the triple play fantasy baseball podcast feed. Uh, So our show I host with uh, my good buddy, Mike Carter, and uh, we bring on MLB beat writers and try to get you the best information that we can. Uh, And then we also, you know, bring on fantasy related guests and, you know, have more fantasy related discussion um, as part of the show. So, uh, please check it out. We would, we would love uh, any new listeners. And you can find me on Twitter. Uh, and I like your tweet from earlier, Joe. It, it will always be Twitter. Enough with this X crap. Uh, <laughs> I will never give in. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at Torres Takes, posting, uh, you know, just random fantasy baseball nonsense.
0: Poston Torres takes, like he says, Uh, go ahead and follow Chris over there. He's one of the more entertaining follows and make sure you're listening to the triple play fantasy baseball beat. It is one of my go-tos. I don't have as much time to listen to podcasts because I'm just doing so much stuff. If I have a long car ride, then it's great because I can kind of bang out three or four, but I always make sure I listen when you guys put out a show, they're always top notch a hundred percent. You guys should be checking it out and following Chris over on Twitter, not on X. It is called Twitter. (laughs) Uh, I don't care what anybody calls it. It's like the whole Prince thing. Artists formerly known as Prince. Like, hey, get out Prince. of here with that crap. Still Prince, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> Check out my work over at JoeOrico99 on the Twitter machine. Ethos Fantasy BB is the company page where we post out all of our new links, articles, polls, everything of that nature. And go to sportsethos.com to get everything right from the source. Tomorrow, it is Sam Wershing and the Seattle Mariners. But until then, everybody, take care. Have a great night.